think I have two readings this morning. The first is from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 to 13. There is a time for everything, and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born, and a time to die. A time to plant, and a time to uproot. A time to kill, and a time to heal. A time to tear down, and a time to build. A time to weep, and a time to laugh. A time to mourn, and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones, and a time to gather them. A time to embrace, and a time to refrain. A time to search, and a time to give up. A time to keep, and a time to throw away. A time to tear, and a time to mend. A time to be silent, and a time to speak. A time to love, and a time to hate. A time for war, and a time for peace. What does work again from his toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on me. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men. Yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for men than to be happy and do good while they live. That everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil. This is the gift of God. The second reading is from Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 to 6. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne, saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Lovely to be with you on this New Year's Day. My name is John, the minister here at St. Stingers. Uh, it's a privilege to be able to open up God's Word together, isn't it, on the, on the first day of the year. Why don't we pray, and then we'll, we'll take a closer look at these words. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for the start of this new year. Uh, and we pray that you would be growing in each of us uh, a love for the Lord, uh, Jesus, and help us to, to grow to become more and more like him. Uh, please shape us by your word uh, this year, and uh, please do that even this morning uh, as we take a closer look at it. In Jesus' name, amen. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. It was the American missionary Jim Elliott who said those well-known words. He was a man who 
knew what was important in life. Uh, he knew how easy it was to pursue things in this life that had very little eternal significance. That's what led him to take the gospel to this remote group of people in Ecuador in the 1950s. Uh, Elliot was a missionary there and was eventually killed by the very people he was trying to reach with the good news of Jesus. But the work he started continued on even after his death and eventually uh, some of the people in the village came to know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. Uh, and I share that quote today because, as, as Mel has already mentioned, it's a time of year where we're more open to thinking about where our lives are at and, and where they're headed. We make plans, we set goals, we look to make changes. It's a time where our ambitions go into overdrive, and I think in some ways that's how God has wired us. Many of us like working towards things. Thinking on that quote for a moment, I'm praying that we'd be a church who have a, a similar mindset, even as we make plans for the year ahead. That we'd be making a priority of, of pursuing things that we know will have eternal significance, and that we'd be willing to give up the things in our lives that we know have have little value in the long run. Uh, or to put it another way, I'm praying that 2023 would be a year where the things that are important to God would become more important to us as well. Now, part of that means thinking about how we can become more like Jesus this year. And to help us think about that, uh, as, we, as we think about the year ahead, we've had these two readings. Uh, the first one from Ecclesiastes, which teaches us a lot about the, the changes that will happen in life, the different times and seasons that we face. But it's the second reading from Revelation that we're, we're really going to look at this morning. Uh, a passage that tells us about what is waiting for all Christians when this world ends. And it's a really wonderful vision that we're given. Revelation 21 is, is a glimpse of the end from the eyes and ears of John. The same John who wrote the Gospel uh, and the letters of, of 1, 2 and 3 John. And before we look at these verses, let me say a couple of things about uh, the book of Revelation, just as a refresher. Uh, Revelation isn't in some ways a complicated book on, on first reading, uh, and there's some intense imagery that, that we often struggle to understand. But it's a book that, that was written by this guy John, and it's a book written to Christians in the first century who were being persecuted and were suffering because of their faith in Jesus. Christians who, who, like us, needed to remember that despite the hopelessness that this world sometimes brings, God has something much better in store. And so it's a letter to help Christians live now with the knowledge of what will happen at the end of the world. And these verses in, in Revelation 21, they point to this reversal from what happened all the way back in Genesis 3. Back when sin first entered the world, uh, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, there were, there were three relationships that were ruined by sin. Firstly, the relationship between people and, and God's creation. Uh, secondly, the interpersonal relationships between all people. And thirdly, and, and most significantly, the relationship between people and God. That, that's the world that we inherited. But in these verses in Revelation 21, we see the one who was there at the beginning, the Alpha, is also going to be there at the end, the Omega. And he will restore all three of these relationships completely. That is what we see in this part of the vision that, that God showed John. And in this vision we're told about what John sees and what he hears. Now what does John, John see? Uh, firstly, a new heaven and a new earth. 
he sees a new creation. And maybe you're like me, and it, it catches you a little bit by surprise that this world will ultimately pass away. Uh, because it seems like such a waste. Some people say that this time is, is coming soon, unless we act now. And you hear more and more of people becoming anxious at the state of the world, be it due to things like war, or be it due to the state of our climate. God says, this world will be judged, it is perishing and, and destined to come to an end, but it will happen in his time. Earth and heaven will be replaced. And there's that bizarre bit at the end of verse 1. There won't be any sea. And that will make some of you rejoice, and others might, might be sad reading that. Uh, but I don't think it's something that we need to worry about too much. Because in biblical times, there was this understanding that, that the sea kind of represented chaos. And so the removal of the sea in this vision is basically the removal of the, the chaos and disruption of this world. That is what God will do. He will take away those things. This is a, a new creation, better than this creation we're currently in, because it's free from the chaos and the effects of sin. And if it doesn't have the chaos, then I take it that there won't be any flooding or, or drought or earthquakes uh, or eruptions or tornadoes or, or any of those things uh, in, in creation that cause chaos. So that, that is what won't be there in the new heavens and new earth. Uh, but I imagine the good things of creation will be there. Remember in Genesis that the world that God created was good, pleasing in his sight. And Ecclesiastes uh, told us that God made everything beautiful in its time. Now we call Christchurch the, the Garden City because it's, it's picturesque. You've got the Port Hills, views of the Southern Alps. Uh, you've got fresh air on a crisp morning, the greenery around the city. You've got the amazing coastal areas, beautiful sunsets. You've got Shirley and Murray Howe. Uh, the clear nights we, we see the stars. These things are all some of the good things that, that, that I imagine will continue in the new creation. I'm not sure about Shirley. I think it will. Uh, that, that's the first thing that, that John sees, a new creation, free from the chaos which disrupts our lives, which helps us to see the relationship between people and, and creation being restored. Now the second thing that he sees in this place called the New Jerusalem, uh, is this place called the New Jerusalem. Uh, and Jerusalem was, of course, the, the spiritual home of, of God's people, um, the place where God's temple was. But like every other place in this world, it, it's been corrupted by sin. Something to note about this New Jerusalem, it is a city. Uh, and I'm sure this is, this is really ruining some people's dreams of eternity. First we find out there's no sea, and now we're being told we'll live, uh, live the city life for, for all of eternity. No, no house on the beach, somewhere remote. This new Jerusalem is a beautiful city. And if you read on in this chapter, you see something of its beauty. Uh, and you'll also see that it is full of people. Now again, this may be hard for some of us to, to comprehend, uh, comprehend because we've had our hearts set on eternity and, and peace and quiet. But this city, this city is, is full of God's people from all nations. It's the perfect community. Uh, as I said, Christchurch is a beautiful city, and, and there are many, many wonderful cities in New Zealand and around the world. But like any other city, it is full of people like you and I who could naturally turn away, turn our backs on our God. And actually, people who do things that, that ruin these cities. Now think of all the, the common, think of all the things that the most beautiful cities in have, have in common. 
uh, that there is crime, there is poverty, there's injustice, there, there's corruption, there is abuse, addiction, violence, things that are often hidden away or brewing under the surface. Things that ruin the way we relate to one another. And we know that it's not just out there, uh, but even closer to home because, because sin affects all people. And Christians share some of that responsibility. Uh, be it through the, the things we've done or, or the things we haven't done. But this new city, this new Jerusalem, it won't be like that. Uh, look at how John describes what he sees. Verse 2. It's a holy city. A city that is set apart for God. A city that looks like a bride on her wedding day. Every detail spectacular. But one thing that, that makes the city so beautiful, uh, we're told later that it's full of people whose names have been written in the book of life. The people there, they don't sin against one another. John sees the people of God finally functioning as they should. No longer divided because of sin, no longer led astray because of sin. Now some of us don't like people, or, or at least we pretend like we don't. But I'm sure, and I'm sure bad experiences with others have, have kind of played a part in that. But that's not something we need to worry about in this new city. In this city, people finally love and relate to one another as God intends. And there are people there from, from every nation, Jews and Gentiles. And the reason we, we know this city will be perfect and, and free of sin uh, actually comes before Revelation 21. It comes in chapters 18 and 19 of Revelation where it talks about the great judgment that will come upon this, this world. We, we actually sang about it earlier in that, in that song, The Lord He Comes. Everyone who has turned away from God and failed to trust His Son will face His judgment. This, this new city will have perfect relationships because God has finally taken away the presence of sin. Something that will continue to, to be a threat to all of us in, in this world. So the two new things that two, two things that John saw. Relationship with creation is, is restored. Relationship with one, with one another is restored. Uh, but finally, and actually most importantly, relationship with God is, is fully restored. This is what John hears in verses 3 and 4. It says, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and he will be their God. This is the relationship that every human being needs. A relationship that will satisfy us beyond any relationship we'll ever experience in this life. We will be in the presence of the one who created us. Uh, we've just celebrated Christmas, which of course is, is God coming to dwell with us. But, but of course that was only for a time. And, and while we still have God's spirit now, the day will come when we will be face to face with our maker. And it will be very different from Genesis 3, where, where Adam and Eve had their faces from God. We will be in the presence of the one who knows us more than we know ourselves, the one who loves us more than we ever thought possible. We will be his people, and he will be our God. And look at what God will do for us on that day. Verse 4. God will wipe every tear from our eyes. No more death, no more mourning, pain. All of those things have passed away. Things that people here will feel in the deepest ways. And I take it that, that all of those things that we feel 
will be replaced by feelings of complete contentment in the presence of our God. Uh, and I don't know about you, but I find that hard to comprehend. God himself wiping away our tears. There's this new order where death and, and mourning and, and pain don't exist. But it is very hard to get our heads around, isn't it? Because these are things that are, are so invasive and, and so prominent in our world. So a question for you. How are you preparing for the new heaven and the new earth? Uh, the new Jerusalem, which we will be a part of. How are you preparing for being face to face with our God? I think there are three things that we can look to do this year to help us uh, get ready for this future that will be ours. Firstly, if there's going to be a, a new heaven and a new earth, if we're not just going to be floating in the clouds as we sometimes think we will be in eternity, then take notice of the good things in this creation. Give thanks to God for those things that we so often take for granted, for, for the trees and the flowers, for the mountains and the plains. Marvel at God's creation. Marvel at the fact that it will be made new and, and even more incredible if that's possible. And as you do, marvel at the one behind the all, the author of all things. Uh, let us be more intentional in our praise of God for his creation and the fact that he will take what is already incredible and, and make it better. And secondly, if, if this new Jerusalem is going to be full of God's holy people, invest time in building relationships with God's people here and now. Uh, I think one of my fears for, for churches and, and us as a church, and I think for a number of uh, Christians, we can often be a little bit clicky. We can make it harder than it should be for, for new people to, to come in and be a part of God's community. We can be standoffish, uh, sticking to those who we know, avoiding those who we don't know. And we could hide behind the, the pandemic and, and say we're being cautious, but, but this is something that, that's been a struggle for, for much longer. Welcome us. Show, show hospitality to us. Uh, invite new people into your home. Uh, work at building relationships with others, and particularly people you don't know. There are plenty of opportunities to do that at a church our size. Uh, these, are, these are the people you'll be spending your eternity with, so you might as well get to know them now. Now the other side of that, uh, you can help others move towards faith as you, as you build relationships. The majority of, of people in this city, in our city, they're, they're not on track for this new Jerusalem that, that God is preparing for his people. They're heading to Revelation 18 and, and eternal destruction. And what might your part be in helping people change the path that they're currently on? What might that look like for you? Uh, thirdly and finally, if the, if the greatest thing about this new creation will be our relationship with God and, and finally being face-to-face with Him, permanently in His glorious presence, what are you doing here and now to grow that relationship? I don't think it's a, coinc- a coincidence that there's mention of a, of a husband and a bride in these verses, uh, because that is the most intimate human relationship we can experience. And as I was uh, reading something the other day, uh, I noticed it said that we are created for intimacy as humans. That it's hardwired in us. We look for and, and long for intimacy. Knowing and being known. But the Bible tells us that the only relationship that can give us the intimacy that we crave is a relationship with our God. 
every other relationship is supposed to point us to that ultimate relationship with God. The problem we have is that, is that we look for intimacy in all the wrong places. If we're single, we sometimes think getting married will, will give us what we want, or we try and find intimacy through, through sex or things like pornography. If we're married, we sometimes expect our spouse to give us an intimacy that, that only God can give us. And we put this unfair burden on our spouse, and we get disappointed in them when they inevitably don't deliver. And again, we end up looking for intimacy in the wrong places. If we're heading to this day where we will be with our God, who, who knows us and who loves us more perfectly than we can ever imagine, it makes sense for us to invest in, in that relationship as well. So what plans can you make to grow your relationship with God this year? Uh, do you need to invest time, uh, maybe in a, in a Bible study or a small group where you, where you have that kind of mutual encouragement or, or meeting with another Christian to read God's Word together? Maybe it means being more disciplined, uh, setting aside time in the Word and, and for prayer regularly as you start the day. Uh, there are a number of busy people in, in our congregation, I'm sure, a number of parents as well. Uh, maybe it means investing time in your relationship with God. It won't be as straightforward as it, as it once seemed. What can you do to make sure this, this relationship with Him isn't neglected? What are you doing to, to model the importance of this relationship to your children? Maybe you recognise the, the need to give up uh, some of the things in your life that are, in the words of Jim Elliot, things that you cannot keep, things of little value. There are so many things that we can fill our lives with. Is there something you need to give up in order to actually invest your time to gain some of the things in life that, that you cannot lose? Things like time on, on social media, uh, which I think it's fair to say very rarely produces any sort of godliness in us. Uh, TV can be similar. We, we sure waste a lot of time on those things, don't we? And, and what they do is often grow our insecurities and our desire for intimacy. But they lead us to, to look for intimacy in all the wrong places. Uh, and I don't say that looking down on others, because I'm someone who, who enjoys switching off and, and unwinding by, by watching TV or, or sport. But I'm also aware of how, how quickly these things can, can take up any spare moment I have. And all for not much gain. So there we are, three things we can do this year as, as we look ahead to the end. It's an amazing vision that John has recorded for us. God says, I am making everything new. Relationship with creation, fully restored. Relationship with one another, fully restored. Relationship with our God, fully restored. That's where anyone who, who trusts in Jesus will end up. So may we trust him. May we take steps to strive towards this vision as individuals and as a church in 2023. Amen.